Hello, and welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing today? Yes! Super Bowl Sunday. Always a great Sunday. Hopefully some of you guys have some big plans later and you're going to eat some hot wings or pizza or seven-layer dip. And hopefully you invited me to those parties so that I can partake of those things with you. Um, we are in uh, week five of this series that we're calling Frequency. And if you've got your Bible or maybe a smart device, I want to encourage you to uh, turn with me or swipe with me to the book of Job. It's okay if you thought it was Job. That's totally fine. Um, it's actually Job, and you're going to find it essentially like if you turn to um, the, the middle of your Bible, if you just open up your Bible right to the middle, you're probably going to be in Psalms. So go back one book, and you'll find yourself in Job. And we are going to land there in just a minute in Job chapter 6. Uh, the year was 1982. It was a good year. My wife was born that year. Um, so I didn't know it then. I was only one, but, but my world had been changed that year of 1982. But in 1982, there was um, an actress and fitness guru. Some of you may remember her the na- by the name of Jane Fonda. And she... <laughs> Whoa, things just got a little weird. 30 seconds into the message. Maybe I need to shift gears. So I'm going to be talking to you today about lust and temptation. (laughs) We're already off the tracks. Usually it takes me five or 10 minutes to get the, you know, to get the train off the rails. But, um, 1982, Jane Fonda, actress and fitness guru, she released the first of what would be 23 workout videos um, in in this this line of workout videos. And ironically, and and, I mean, the, the marketing and the creative genius behind this first workout video that she released, it was called Jane Fonda's Workout. Would have liked to have been in that boardroom meeting that day. So we've got Jane Fonda, it's a workout video. What do you guys think we should call it, Paul? And, you know, everybody turns to Paul. You know, he's the, he's the marketing guru. I, I'm thinking we go with Jane Fonda's workout, you know. <laughs> Paul was also the guy that brought us the marketing behind Hot Pockets and Buy Menin, you know, the deodorant. That's, that's what um, some of you get that on the way home. It, I thought it was a lot funnier than, <laughs> than that. Um. But this video, this Jane Fonda's workout video, it, it actually inspired Americans to, uh, to go out to their local store and shell out the then exorbitant amount of cash to buy this newfangled product known as the video cassette recorder, or um, what you and I would know as the VCR, and every teenager in the room is like, what? What is he, is he speaking Chinese up there this morning? 
Um, and so we went out and we bought these VCRs and we put them in our homes and we got Jane Fonda's workout and we put them in and we started, um, we started to work out with Jane Fonda in our living rooms because she had tapped into this baby boomer craze. They were getting older and their bodies were starting to, gravity was starting to take its toll on their bodies. And so they were, um, they were all trying to capitalize on that. And then off of Jane Fonda's workout, Richard Simmons put on some skimpy little shorts and started sweating to the oldies. And so everybody took that VCR that they had gotten and they set it on fire because nobody wanted to see that. My goodness. But it was in this video, this Jane Fonda's workout video, that, that she coined a now commonly used phrase that has spilled over from the arena of workouts and fitness into every other facet of our lives. And it's actually uh, a spun off of an idea or a teaching from a Jewish rabbi named Ben Hayhay. I'm not making that up. Ben Hayhay. And who's your pastor? Is Pastor Ben Hayhay. You got to come check him out. You know, like I wish I had a cool name like that. Um, but this guy, he taught, he taught this teaching and, and he said, according to the pain is the gain. That was this teaching, and Jane Fonda, she took that and she spun it into what you and I now know as no pain, no gain. You know it. You didn't know that it came from a workout video in 1982, most of you. But now you see the origin of that. And so this no pain, no gain, in other words, what this means is that if you aren't experiencing any discomfort in your workout, if every rep or, or every lift is 100% achievable, if you aren't breathing heavy or breaking a sweat, then you will likely never achieve the results that you so greatly desire. No pain, no gain. And so we're in part five of this series that we're calling Frequency. And Frequency is all about cutting through the noise in our lives so that we can more clearly and effectively hear the voice of God as he is speaking to us. All the way back in week one, we learned that the primary way, uh, but since God is typically not going to speak to us audibly out loud, that the primary way, um, one, of, one of the upfront and foremost ways that he communicates to us is through his word, the Bible. And that the Bible will always serve as the lens through which we view every other form of communication and how God speaks to us because God will never speak to us in a way that is going to contradict what he has already communicated to us through his word. And in addition to the Bible, we learn that God will speak to us through the desires that we have, both the, the good and bad desires that are playing a tug of war on the inside of our hearts, as well as the God desires that he is downloading into us as we choose to delight ourselves in him. We learn that God will speak to us through other people and that he will send people to us to speak into our lives and either confirm or confront different areas in our lives. And then last week, um, we talked about these things called that you and I, we would call doors and that God speaks to us using doors in our lives, open doors that we walk through to something that we would like to attain or achieve on the other side. And then sometimes God will close doors in order to, uh, 
uh, illuminate the pathway and say, no, that's not the way that you're supposed to go. And we discovered that there are several pitfalls when you and I try to force our way through a door that God has closed. And then today I want to talk to you about a topic that unfortunately many of us in the room, most of us in the room wish did not exist. And, and it's how God chooses to speak to us quite often, even though we wish he might, uh, he, he might not do this, he speaks to us through our pain. I think that the lead singer of REM, Michael Stipe, he said it best when he said this. Actually, he sang this. Everybody hurts. Sometimes. Everybody hurts. Chances are, if you are within earshot of my voice this morning, you would both identify and agree with this statement. At one point or another, we have all experienced pain in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. And if you say, no, I've never really experienced it, you're probably lying. Okay? I can remember when Luke um, was learning to walk. He was just, a, you know, just a, a tiny little thing. He was learning to walk. I remember he would, he would pull himself up. He, he had gotten to where he could grab onto the edge of the sofa, and he would pull himself up, and he would, he would gain his balance and his courage, and he would reach out, and he would take like two or three wonky steps and then kind of grab onto the ottoman. And he would do that back and forth, back and forth. And then his, his confidence began to, uh, still began to build and his, his courage began to build and everything. And he, he felt a little more stable. And I remember when I saw him let go of the couch and instead of going for the autumn, he just walked out into the middle of the room like where there was nothing to hold on to. And I can remember that as he did that, you know what, sometimes like he would be okay, but, but um, every so often he would end up in an ill-fated face plant into the floor or he'd catch the corner of the coffee table, or he'd, he'd fall into the wall or whatever. And it, it wasn't always on, um, you know, the cushion of his diaper. Sometimes he would really hurt himself. And, and so he learned at an early age that, that there is pain, but, but he, he continued to work at it. He didn't let the pain stop him, and he continued to work at it, and he pushed through, and he realized, hey, like, when I fall, it hurts, so I'm going to try not to do that. And so he would take a few more steps and a few more steps and a few more steps. And I'm proud to say that at 13 years of age, he rarely falls anymore. <laughs> he can walk pretty much anywhere he needs to go. And we experience pain early on in life. And, and the sad part is, is that it really doesn't get any better from there. It tends to carry on throughout the rest of our days. But it starts early. We fall when we're learning to walk, or we get called a name out on the playground. We scrape our knee when we're learning to ride a bike. We get cut from the school cheerleading team. Our first love breaks our heart. We get a letter in the mail saying that we weren't accepted into the college of our choice. We sit back and watch as our parents go through a divorce. We lose the promotion at work to the up-and-coming young hotshot that doesn't really deserve it. We foreclose on our dream house. We're unable to conceive a child. The doctor says it's cancer. We lay a loved one to rest. 
We experience the pain of doubt, worry, fear, loneliness, depression, rejection. Everybody hurts. And when we talk about this pain that we all feel, these things that you and I all have in common, it's important for us to understand that pain is a direct result of sin. Pain is a direct result of sin. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no pain. Here's what happens. We're talking about pain in our lives and its connection to sin. Some pain is caused by our sin. Fact of the matter is, is that we make dumb choices sometimes. We do things that lead us further away from God and it ends up hurting us in the process. We choose to do things that are not in line with God and his scripture and it causes us difficulty. It brings on pain in our lives. Some pain is caused by other people's sin. Other people make bad choices and we had nothing to do with it. But just because we are in their vicinity... It causes difficulty and creates hurt for us. And then finally, most pain is caused by Adam and Eve's sin. That simply because they chose to disobey God all the way back then in the Garden of Eden, they didn't listen to the things that he told them to do, and instead they succumbed to the temptation of the serpent. Because they chose to do that, we are now born into a world full of sin. And you and I, we carry with us a sin nature. And so that's why there is pain in our lives. Because it is through the sin of Adam and Eve that now uh, pregnancy and childbirth is painful. It is because of the sin of Adam and Eve that man is now forced to labor and toil in pain to produce food from the earth. It was because of Adam and Eve's sin that death had to occur. They realized that they were naked, and so the Lord killed an animal and provided them with animal skins. Because of sin, pain, and ultimately death has now entered into our lives. The result of sin is pain. And there's a reason that God speaks to us through our pain. Because you can avoid reading your Bible. You don't have to do that. You can ignore your desires or you can ignore closed doors in your life. You can avoid listening to other people when they speak into your life. But you can neither avoid nor ignore experiencing pain. If you don't believe me, turn to your neighbor right now and poke them in the eye as hard as you can. They will neither be able to avoid it or ignore it. If you actually just try to do that to your neighbor, you are a jerk and you need some serious help. Unbelievable. Could it be that God uses pain in our lives to say something to us, to speak to us that we would be unable to hear in any other way. See, when, when we experience pain in our lives, it's simply God trying to get our attention and bring us to the place where we place our hope and our trust completely in him. 
That's what's happening. That's why we experience pain. Like, look, it's, you're not doing so well by yourself. So it's God trying to shake us and get our attention and say, hey, like, you need to lean into me. You need to place your hope and your trust and your faith and everything completely into me. It's not about your circumstance. That's not what we put our place, place our, our faith and our hope and our trust in on our, on our circumstance because that's not always going to go the way that we want it to. And so God's allowing us to experience these things so that we will remember that we're not supposed to be putting our faith in how we feel, our, our, our trust in if everything's going well. We're supposed to put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. So he's trying to get our attention through our pain. And the big idea that I want to talk about today is simply this. There's purpose in our pain. We may not realize it, but there is purpose in our pain. There is something that God is wanting to do in and through our lives because of our pain. Now, there is this story in the Bible. And it's about a man named Job. And he has this book. Um, called Job, and it's 42 chapters long. Now, when we first meet Job in chapter one, we discover some things about him. We discover that he is what the Bible calls the greatest man among all the people that existed at that time. The Bible says that he has 7,000 sheep that he owns. He has 3,000 camels He has 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. In addition to this, he also has seven sons and three daughters. It is very clear that the Lord has blessed this man, and he is well-known and well-respected in the community. He is the greatest man on the face of the earth at that time. Now, we get into this, and, and Job is interesting because there's, there's two different settings for the book of Job. One is here on the earth, but then there's also the setting of heaven. There's some things going on in the heavenlies, and something really interesting happens in the first couple chapters of Job. Um, the, the, the Lord is seated upon his throne, and he has an audience with the angels, and something kind of peculiar happens because when the angels come in to show themselves to the Lord, the Bible communicates that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, that he is among them. Lucifer was an angel, but he desired to be like God or to be greater than God, and so he fell from heaven. But, but Job gives us insight into the fact that, that Satan, the accuser, that he can still go before God. And so he goes before God, and they get to talking about Job. And, this, and, and the devil points out to God the Father, says, well, of course Job is going to serve you. You've placed a hedge around him. You've you've protected him. You've insulated him completely. He's the most well-respected in all the community. You've blessed him and you've given him earthly possessions and on and on and on. But I guarantee you, if, if we were to take those things away, then his faith would waver. And so the Lord says, okay, have it your way. You can go and you can do whatever you would like to Job's possessions, but you cannot touch him. And so this is what happens. One day, Job is, um, he's, he's actually praying for his children, and a messenger comes to him and says, Job, I've got some bad news. A Sabian army 
attacked and they stole all of your oxen and your donkeys and they killed all of your servants. And then before he even finishes speaking, another messenger comes and says, Job, I have some bad news. Lightning fell from the heavens and burned up all of your sheep and killed all of your servants. And before he even gets done speaking, another messenger comes in and says, Job, I've got some terrible, terrible news. Babylonian attackers have come in and they've stolen all of your camels and they've killed all of your servants. And then before he even gets done speaking, another messenger comes and says, Job, I've got some terrible, awful, no good news. The four winds blew and your house fell in and it killed your seven sons and your three daughters in the rubble. And I was the only one left to come and share this message with you. Now you think you've had a bad day. His oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels, his servants, his children, all within a matter of minutes, gone. Gone. But Job remained faithful to the Lord. Later on, Satan has another audience with God the Father, and they talk about Job once again, and he says, now, yeah, you've taken away his possession. Sure, he remained faithful to that, but what if, what if I inflicted pain on Job himself? And so God says, fine, have it your way. And so Satan causes these sores, these boils to, to cover Job's body from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And the Bible says that, that Job takes a, a shard of broken pottery and he just sits in ashes and, and despair all day and he scrapes those sores that are all over his body. But here's, here's what the Bible communicates. In spite of everything, in spite of all the loss, in spite of all the, the health issues in spite of everything. Job did not sin. And then the remaining 40 chapters is a discussion that takes place between Job, three of his friends, and then God. And before we jump into the rest of what that looks like, I, I need to point out that we would seem that in this passage, it's kind of weird that the devil goes to God and that they talk about individuals and everything. But, but here's what I take away from that. And, and for some people, it would, it would give them a great amount of despair. It gives me a great amount of, of encouragement that, that the devil has to get God's permission before he can pick on me. Right? Like, he just can't do what he wants to do. Like, the Lord isn't causing things to happen but he's allowing them to happen. But the devil has to submit himself to God the Father and that God is in control. And so you're not being touched if the Lord doesn't grant it to be so, okay? So we need to know that God is in control in the midst of our circumstances and that Satan can't pick on us without getting God's permission first. So the story goes on and, and Job is, he's communicating with his friends and they're giving him, um, they're giving him advice. And then in chapter six, starting with verse one, this is what Job says. Then Job spoke again. If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. That is why I spoke impulsively. 
For the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. Don't I have a right to complain? Don't wild donkeys bray when they find no grass and oxen bellow when they have no food? Don't people complain about unsalted food? Does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant my desire. I wish he would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. But at least I can take comfort in this. Despite the pain, I have not denied the words of the Holy One. Oh man, it's so bad is what Job is saying. It's so bad that I wish the Lord would take my life. But despite everything that has happened, I will not deny. I will not turn my back on the word of the Lord and what he has spoken to me. And some of you are here today and you are in a great amount of pain. Many of us, if we knew the true story, we could not fathom how you are carrying the things that you are carrying, how you are facing the things that you are being asked to face, how you are walking through the season of life that you are having to walk through. And if you find yourself in that position today, I want to encourage you, you need to reach out just like Job did and take hold of the word of the Lord for your life and not turn your back on it, but place it as your firm foundation and rest upon it. Here is the word of the Lord that he is speaking to you. Psalm 46 and one, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in time of trouble. Psalm 126 verse five, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. Somebody is here today and you need to hear, just keep hanging on. I know that it's tough. I know that it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. I know that you can't find the light at the end of the tunnel, but just keep hanging on. Don't turn your back on God. He's not causing this in your life. He's allowing it to happen because in our pain, our purpose, is found and God is doing something in you. If you will just hang on and lean into him, you are going to make it because the word of the Lord says so. In spite of it all, I can take comfort in this, that I did not deny the word of the Lord. And because of that, This is how Job's story turns out. All the way to chapter 42, the end of the book, verse 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had, instead of 7,000 sheep, 14,000 sheep. Instead of 3,000 camels, he had 6,000 camels. Instead of 500 teams of oxen, he had 1,000. Instead of 500 donkeys, he had 1,000. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, and she went on to have a prolific pancake syrup business that took the world (laughs) by storm. 
the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapak. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. The Lord gave him a, a double portion, and he had an inheritance after everything was taken away from him. The Lord blessed him with an inheritance to pass down to his children. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. That's how I want to go. I want to die someday as an old man who's lived a long, full life. Because despite the pain, despite the adversity, despite the setback, Job did not waver in his faith unto the Lord. See, when, when you experience pain, you need to understand that God is not allowing you to experience pain to destroy you. God is allowing you to experience pain to develop you. Just like in pregnancy and in plowing, God uses pain to produce something new in our lives. This is what C.S. Lewis said. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. God's going to use pain to get our attention, but we don't really like that, do we? We'd rather him use some other avenue. It's not enjoyable to experience pain. In fact, it, it often leads us to throw our head back and raise our fists to the heavens and, and question, God, why are you doing this to me? And we do need to ask questions whenever we experience pain, but not that one. That's the wrong question to ask. Instead, when you experience pain, you should ask these questions. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Number one, God, what do you want me to know? When you experience pain in your life, we need to ask, God, what is it that you want me to know? See, we, we can't get so caught up in, in just enduring the pain, just making it through the pain that we fail to get anything out of it. When God takes us to school through pain, we need to sit up straight and tall and we need to pay attention. We need to, we need to be able to grasp hold of what he's trying to teach so that we don't have to retake the class later on in life, right? So we need to first ask God, what is it that you want me to know? Secondly, God, what do you want to show me? Pain can awaken our senses if we will allow it to. It's possible that maybe we've been taking something for granted in our life. Or maybe there's a brand new opportunity that God is opening up in front of us. and We need to be on the lookout for what we otherwise may have been missing. God might show us something new in the midst of our pain. God, what do you want me to know? What is it you want to show me? And then number three, God, how do you want me to grow? How do you want me to grow? If you and I will lean into the pain in our lives, the end result will always be growth. It's, it's that old adage that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? 
It's like when you, when you go to the gym and you, you work out your muscles and you, you push and you strain against that weight that you are lifting, it actually tears down the fiber of your muscles. But then when they grow back, they grow back bigger and stronger because of the, the weight that they have endured, because of the resistance that has been on them. Just like our muscles grow from being stretched and strained, so will our faith in Jesus. The next time you find yourself in the midst of a painful situation, remember this. Rich Wilkerson Jr. said it. You're not where you are by coincidence. You're there by providence. Because God has allowed it to happen because there is something that he is wanting to accomplish in and through your life. There is purpose in our pain. There's purpose there. God What is that purpose? Teach me what you want me to know. Show me what you're trying to show me. Help me to grow in the way that you want me to grow here. Here's the deal. We serve a God who loves us so much that he refuses to allow us to stay the same. That's why he allows pain to be a part of our life because pain will cause us to change. When we are in pain, we make a change so that then we can get back to the place where we are comfortable. So God will allow pain to come into our life because it it elicits a change. It, It initiates a change to take place in our life. Were we to never experience any sort of pain, we would simply go with the flow and just do whatever was necessary to maintain the status quo. But through our pain... God blesses us with the bruises of someone who knows him deeply because they have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and they have lived to tell the story on the other side. That is what your pain accomplishes in your life. So when we experience pain, we shouldn't pray it away. Instead, we should pray that we would be able to hear the loving voice of God in the midst of the pain so that we can become the person that he's called us to be. Because here's what I've discovered in my life and in the lives of those around me. The places where we experience the greatest pain in our lives will become the platforms God uses to fulfill his greatest purpose in our lives. The places where we experience the greatest pain in our lives will become the platforms through which God will fulfill his greatest purpose through our lives. So when pain comes, lean in. God, what do you want me to know? What are you trying to show me? How can I grow through this? Help me to find the purpose in my pain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Lord, and I thank you that in the midst of our pain, Lord, that you have not left us nor forsaken us. 
But God, that you are right there in the middle of it with us and that you have granted us pain not to destroy us, but to develop us, to help us to become the thing, the person, to fulfill the mission, the the goal, the dream that you've placed on our hearts. And God, I pray for those that are experiencing pain. God, we, we may not know why. We may not understand. It may be difficult. But during those times, we wouldn't shake our fist at you and blame you, but that somehow we would find the ability to thank you for allowing us to experience that pain so that we can become who you have called us to be. Help us to not squander the opportunity to learn, to develop, and to grow, but continue to to speak to us through our pain, to shape us and mold us and to develop us into who you have called us to be. Let us to remember that it's not by some coincidence we're walking through this pain in our lives, but it's by sheer providence that you have placed us there for a time such as this. And that through the stretching of our faith, through the resistance that is placed on our faith, we will actually grow in our faith in you. God, I pray that in the midst of our pain, Lord, that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. So that rather than turning our back on you and pushing you to the side, that in the midst of our pain, Lord, we would hear you more clearly than ever. Speak to your people today and help us to fulfill the calling that you've placed on our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christwalk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christwalk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.